Hebrews chapter 11, I'll begin reading in verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. For if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Verse 39. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. There is nothing more fundamental to the human experience than faith. By faith, we understand our changing and increasingly complex world. By faith, we make decisions when we don't know exactly what we should do. By faith, we pray in expectation that God will come to our rescue, that he will help us when everything seems lost. By faith, we enter into the great story of redemption when we follow after a long line of faithful witnesses who have gone before us. And yes, by faith, by faith, we receive salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This morning in our passage, the author of Hebrews defines faith as the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. But in our culture, the concept, the idea of faith is very misunderstood. And so this morning, I want all of us to ask ourselves a couple questions. What does it really mean to have a faith that is real, that is authentic, that is genuine? And what do we do when we find that our faith is tested by sin and by suffering and seasons of doubt? This morning, as we continue our series through the book of Hebrews, we're going to see what it truly means to live a life of faith. The first way I want to look at this, I want you to see that faith is about trust. Faith is about trust. I want you to look at verse 1. The author of Hebrews tells us faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This is one of the most famous definitions of faith in the Bible. And what I want you to notice this morning is this wasn't written as some philosophical idea. This wasn't written in a theological vacuum just to put out there a good definition. This was written by a pastor, written to a congregation for a particular reason. They were struggling with doubt. They were struggling with their faith. Perhaps that describes some of you this morning As you come into a sanctuary like this, like you do every Sunday, and you find yourself questioning, 
You find yourself asking, can God be trusted? Is my faith strong enough to hold on? And so this pastor writes these words. He says, now faith, the word now, gives us a clue that everything he's about to say is connected to everything he's already said. And if you are with us last week, we looked at the blood of Jesus Christ and we recognized how it's his blood that gives us confidence to come into the presence of God. That none of us in this room is righteous, no, not one. None of us has any business being in the presence of God. It's only by the blood of Jesus. Only his blood gives us confidence. And so at the end of Hebrews chapter 10, the author, the pastor, He's saying, in the midst of your doubt, don't throw away that confidence, but hold on. In Hebrews 10, 39, he says, but we, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are those who have faith. And then he dedicates an entire chapter to helping us understand what faith really is. And so he says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. He wants us to understand that fundamentally faith is about trust. And he does this by using two different words. The first word he uses is the word assurance. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The word assurance means to have some kind of firm and solid confidence. One translator described it like this, that it is a kind of calm and peaceful confidence. I love that. Faith is a calm confidence in things hoped for. So what kind of confidence should we have in something that is hoped for? Well, if something is hoped for, that means our confidence is not just in something that's happened in the past. But our confidence is in something that is about to happen. In other words, faith is about trust. It's forward-looking. One of the greatest examples of this kind of faith is in the story of Abraham. Throughout the book of Hebrews, the author is constantly going back to his story because he's described as the man of faith. We see in Abraham's story that God came to him out of his faithfulness, not because of Abraham's faith. No, but first, out of his faithfulness, God came to Abraham and he made him a promise, a promise that he would bless him, that he would give him an everlasting possession of land, that he would give him offspring, and that he would be their God, and that Abraham and his offspring would be his people. This promise that God gave to Abraham came with a promise. And Abraham's first response to God's promise is just like yours and I. He doubted. Abraham's initial response to God's faithful promise was doubt. And friends, what I want you to recognize this morning is that is our default position to the promises of God. Because the reality of sin and unbelief in our hearts, we do not trust God and his promises. And so we look at our circumstances and we wonder, can God be trusted? Abraham and his wife, Sarah, even though they were promised offspring, 
They were infertile. And so, yes, they heard God's promise, I'm going to give you so many children you can't even count them. And yet they're looking at their life and they're saying, yeah, God, I hear you, but you haven't even given us one. And so they didn't believe. Abraham doubted the promises of God. So God comes back to Abraham. And rather than condemn him, God is faithful, even though Abraham was faithless. And God says, Abraham, look up. I want you to see the stars. Count them if you're even able to. So shall your offspring be. And after God's faithful pursuit, we're given one of the great descriptions of what faith does. All the way back in Genesis. And Abraham believed the Lord, and he counted him as righteousness. I want you to notice something about Abraham's faith. Genesis tells us that Abraham believed the Lord. Notice it does not say Abraham believed in the Lord. You see, I think this is one of the common misconceptions of what faith is. People will often say that faith is simply acknowledging that God exists. It's believing that there is a God, and perhaps it's even believing that he loves us. But simply acknowledging the existence of God is not the essence of faith. It's where faith begins, but it's incomplete. Notice it does not say Abraham just believed in a God. It says Abraham believed God. In other words, Abraham trusted him. James tells us that even the demons believe in a God. So if that's you this morning, if you would describe your faith simply as just believing that God exists, James is saying, congratulations. You have the same amount of faith as a demon. But faith is more than simply believing in a God or believing that he exists. It's trusting him. It's taking him at his word. The very first question in the Bible was asked by Satan. Did God really say? Genuine, authentic faith is to proclaim God really did say. He can be trusted. His promises are true. Genuine faith says God is trustworthy and his promises have been fulfilled in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what it means to have genuine faith. It means to trust him. But the second word that the author of Hebrews uses to describe a faith that trusts is the word conviction. He says faith is the conviction of things unseen. The word conviction means certainty or proof. And what I want you to see this morning is conviction as not just cold and calculated, but conviction goes deep to our souls. Conviction says, yes, I am hoping for something in the future, but I'm grabbing onto it right now so that it actually affects me right here and right now, that it actually means something, that it actually changes my perspective. Genuine faith that trust moves us to act 
in faith. The example that the author uses to describe this kind of conviction is creation. It's there in verse 3. It's not in your bulletin. I just want you to listen. He says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. In other words, he's saying, look, conviction is to recognize we cannot see everything that exists. It's always been true. Even if you go all the way back to the creation story, God created everything out of nothing. And suddenly when God said it is good, we could see everything in existence that he made. He made it out of things that were unseen. The author of Hebrews is doing is he's going to one of the oldest questions that humans have asked. How do we get here? How did we get here? How how did the universe come to be? What I think he's trying to help us to see is that even doubt about God's creative power requires faith. Now, however you're gonna answer that question, how do we get here, you're gonna have to use a little faith because nobody really knows the answer. You're gonna have to use faith. Sometimes doubt looks more like faith than we realize. I'll never forget being a freshman at Texas A&M University. I was a biology student and I was taking a upper level biology class called Genes, Ecology, and Evolution. I'll never forget being intimidated on that first day of class, being a freshman in an upper level biology class, listening to the professor begin to talk about evolution and using it as an example of how we are to approach science. He began to talk about microevolution, which simply teaches that Within a single species, you can observe the change of an animal ever so slightly, that through genetics being passed down from generation to generation, just like hair color is passed down, we can see that genetics is the building block. And he says that we can observe. But then he started to talk about macroevolution, the theory that evolution happens across species. In other words, that where do we come from? We all came from a single-celled organism that on its own evolved over millions of years, and that's how people got here. And I'll forget what he said next. He said, we cannot prove that. We cannot prove that evolution is true. Sometimes you have to have a little faith in something before you can prove it to be true. Everyone has faith. An atheist has faith. They believe that God does not exist. You have faith. Whether you believe in God this morning or not, whether you believe in his son Jesus Christ or not, you have faith, you have a way that you are orienting yourself to the world. The question is, what kind of faith do you really have? What do you really trust in? Do you trust in yourself? Do you trust in science? Do you trust in the ability of humanity? Have you placed your trust on the only one who is trustworthy? 
Have you placed your trust in the promises of God fulfilled in the death and resurrection of Jesus? Not only is faith about trust, but what I also want you to see this morning is faith is about receiving. Verse 2, we're told that faith, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. And then what he does next is he uses a literary device by repeating the words by faith over and over and over and over again, almost like the chorus of a song, to stack up all of these examples, these great heroes of the faith from the Old Testament, example after example after example. And what he wants us to see is not that the things that they did were commendable, but what he wants us to see by repeating that that phrase, by faith, is not to look back on Abraham and Moses and the patriarchs and Rahab and Gideon and David and the prophets. He doesn't want us to look back on them and think, wow, these people were amazing. They did such amazing things for God. No, by repeating by faith, he wants us to look back and recognize they were commended, not because of what they did, but because of what they believed. God commended them because of their faith, not because of their works. What I want you to see is we're told that it's by faith that they received their commendation. Notice it doesn't say by faith they earned their commendation. I think sometimes as Christians we think faith makes us better than everybody else. Because of our faith we deserve the grace of God, but that's not how it works. Faith itself is a grace. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is by faith alone that we receive the commendation of God. What does that mean? It means it's only by faith alone that God is pleased with us. Hebrews 11 verse 6 He says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Finally, the last thing I want us to see this morning is faith is about waiting. I want you to look at Hebrews 11, verse 13. It says, these all, meaning these great heroes of the faith, Every one of them died in faith, not having received the things promised. In other words, these great heroes of the faith, these people of old from the Old Testament, every one of them died before they saw those promises truly fulfilled. They died before Jesus came. The hardest thing about faith is waiting. We hate waiting. And it's in those moments of waiting where doubt creeps in. And so this morning, one of the great misconceptions about faith is that it's never accompanied with doubt. That your faith must be inadequate if you find yourself plagued with doubt. But what I want you to recognize is this side of heaven, while we are waiting on God to move, our faith is accompanied with doubt. The great reformer John Calvin reminds us of this. 
when he said, when we talk about faith, we don't mean that it's never accompanied with doubt because of the storms of life that comes. And so this morning, I wonder what you're going through. I wonder what it is that's caused you to question the trustworthiness of God or to wonder if your faith is strong enough that you would be commended by God. I want you to see that just as the Old Testament heroes of the hall of faith were waiting on Christ to come, you and I now find ourselves with the benefit of seeing that he has come. We've seen the promise fulfilled. God can be trusted because he promised to send a Messiah and his Messiah came in Jesus Christ who died and rose again so that all who believe and trust in his name would have salvation. But just like the people of old, we now find ourselves waiting again. We're waiting for Christ to come back. Author of Hebrews tells us that these Old Testament heroes were waiting. They were longing. What were they longing for? They were longing for home. When we wait, when we find ourselves waiting on God, we are longing for home. We are recognizing that our home is not here, but it's in a city that is to come. A city that's been prepared for us where there will be no more crying, no more pain, no more mourning, no more death, no more disease, no more cancer, no more suffering, and no more doubt. One day Christ will come again and he will make all things new. Until that day comes, what do we do? By faith, we wait. And there is no greater practice of waiting in the church than communion. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says that when we come to the Lord's table, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. This morning as we come to the table, we are not just looking back on the death and resurrection of Jesus for our salvation but we are participating in a foretaste of a greater feast to come. When Christ comes again, when our faith will be made sight, we see him face to face and he makes all things new. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would work faith deep into our souls, that you would enable us to trust you, to see that your promises are true. Lord, give us real and abiding faith that we're to receive the gift of salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And now as we come to the table, prepare our hearts. Give us a vision, a foretaste of the great feast to come when your son comes again. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.